Amen? It takes time. So, so let's just keep teaching the word. Keep hearing the word. He's raising us up together. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make... Come on now. God is able to make... Let's put it up in the amplified. In the amplified, he says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and every earthly blessing to come in abundance. Okay? Every grace... In abundance, so that you may always, under all circumstances, how many circumstances? Regardless of the need, have how much sufficiency? Complete sufficiency in everything. Being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance. Look at why he's supplying the, the sufficiency. An abundance in every good work and act of charity. Check this out. God is able. Okay? He is not lacking in the ability to do this. To do what? To supply sufficiency. Are you with me so far? He is not lacking in ability to supply every grace, every favor. Say with me, I'm laying a foundation. I'm going somewhere today. Okay? Every grace Every favor, every earthly blessing, he has the ability to supply these in abundance. Everyone say abundance. abundance. That means to supply a lot. Somebody might have the ability to give you a tenner. Another person might have the ability to give you 100 pounds. Another person might have the ability to give you 100,000 pounds. Another one might have the ability to give you a, a, a million. Another one has the ability to give you a hundred million. God has the ability to give you a blank check. Abundance. Everyone say abundance. abundance. There is no limit to his ability. He is able, he has the ability to supply in abundance. In other words, he has the ability to bring you the grace, which is the favor of God, which is the empowerment, which is the sufficiency, which God supplies to help us get the job done. If you are looking to supply, if you're looking to create, this is why I'm asking you, please have something in mind. You know, if you are looking to create something new, how many people are looking to create something new? If you're looking to create something new, listen to what God is saying. He is able to make sure you have in abundance the ability in abundance, the competency in abundance for every new work. Amen. You want to you launch your business out in a new sphere that you've never been and you're wondering, ah, I don't know if I can, I don't know. He has the ability to supply in abundance the ability and the competency for every good work. Okay? Every good work. He gives you grace. When God wants to, uh, uh, wants to empower you to do new things, look at what he does. He gives you a new grace. He gives you grace. And Paul is saying, God is able to make all grace, all grace 
abound towards me. He has the ability to supply all sufficiency, all the sufficiency I need in abundance. Listen, if he has called you, it wasn't because you were able. Please write this down or remember this. If God called you, he did not call you because you are able. He called you because he has the sufficiency you need. Okay? He did not call you because you are educated. He educated you because he, he wants to give you sufficiency. Okay? He, he didn't call you because you have what it takes. It was because he, he is able to supply you with the ability and the level of competency that you need to go to the next level. Listen, in this, in, in, today I'm going a little bit further um, than encouraging you in the, last few, in the last few weeks, what I've been doing is trying to encourage you to believe God for the new, to not be stuck in a cycle of same, sameness, but actually believe that, that, that what he's saying in Isaiah 43, he's looking to do in our lives, and so we're setting our expectation for the new. But I'm going beyond that today to get you to believe that that new thing is being sponsored by God's grace. Okay, that new thing is not being sponsored by your ability. It is being sponsored by the grace of God. He is, he is able to make all grace abound towards you. He is able to supply the sufficiency, the ability, the competency, irrespective of, irrespective of what your new looks like. Okay, one more time. Please help me just so I know you understand. Say, my God, my God. is able to supply all grace. Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine the new. I want you to imagine the new in its wildest form. Okay? I want you to imagine, imagine the new. You know, I don't know what you were trying to do. Maybe you were you're trying to start a business. Imagine that company floating on the stock exchange. Maybe you are, you, you are, you are thinking about, you know, you, the, the new thing is you're coming out of debt. Now imagine you coming out of debt and imagine... Um, imagine you paying off the debt of other people to the same amount. Imagine you getting that house. Imagine you preaching the gospel. Imagine yourself healing the sick. Now imagine God, uh, imagine, your, imagine you releasing the anointing on others to go heal the sick. Now say after me, my God, my God is, able is able to supply, to supply the sufficiency, the ability and the competency to do that. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand of praise? Okay? I'm going somewhere. So he's able to supply whatever your new looks like. So everyone in this room, you had a different idea of new. Now, if I look at, take one person in this room, um, even within the new that you were looking at, there are several news. That make sense? Okay. Do you understand us so far? Yeah. So, so there are seven. And, and, and I want you to think about it this way. God, whatever the new is, God has the ability to supply all of us and supply you whatever the new is in your own sphere. Amen. My God has that ability. Look at John chapter 1. Actually, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 before we go to John chapter 1. Now, th this is important. He is able to supply when God wants to create the new what he does is that he provides grace. Now, the problem, uh, um, this is what I want to start to deal with a little bit in, in a little bit more detail and challenge you to see, 
is that, is that many of us only ever see grace um, from the sense or from the point of view of salvation. So we see, we understand the grace of God as saving grace, you know, the saving grace of God. So whenever we think about the grace of God, we only know the saving grace of God that enables us to get born again. Ephesians 2.8 says, uh, uh, help me put that on the screen, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us how that we have been saved by, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Many, many of us only ever know the grace of God as the saving grace. But the reality is that the grace of God manifests itself in the world in different ways. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 talks about how we are stewards of the manifold grace of God, the multifaceted grace of God, the many faces of the grace of God, okay? We are stewards of the many faces of the grace of God. Uh, are, you, are you with me so far? So look at this. Understand that the grace of God is what God supplies when you're looking to do something. But the grace of God is not just saving grace. The grace of God has many faces depending on what you need to do. That's what I want to show you today. The grace of God is multifaceted. Um, he, he, he is saying, First uh, uh, Peter, he says, as each one of you has received a gift, minister it, it to one another as good stewards of the manifold, the manifold grace of God. Amen? We, we use the grace of God to serve. So I'm called... The new thing that God is looking to do um, through me, he will do it through the gift that he has given me, the ability to pastor, the ability to preach and teach the word. So what does he do? He stands up and he releases his grace to teach. He has called another person to build a business. What does he do? He releases the grace on them to build the business. He has called another person to be an administrator. He releases the grace. It's still the same grace, but he releases the grace to be an administrator in that field. Because the grace of God is multifaceted. Are you with me so far? The grace of God manifests in your, in your finances. So if you are believing God to come out of debt, you don't just have the grace to be saved. The grace of God can manifest as a debt-canceling God. Okay? If you're believing God to build a business, the grace of God can manifest with an anointing to build businesses. Many multifaceted. This is why I'm saying this because it is very important, and I'm going to talk about this, the need that we, the need to understand that we, we access the grace of God on every level through faith. Okay, I want us to get specific in our request, in our act of faith. So as you approach, many times we approach something new in our world, we know we have grace and we have been saved by the grace of God, but we don't know if we have a seat at this table. We don't know if we can face this Pharaoh, not knowing that there is something called the favor of the one who was at the burning bush. 
Deuteronomy. Moses, Deuteronomy 33, Moses is praying for Joseph. He's praying for all the children of Jacob. And he's praying for Joseph. And one of the things he prays over Joseph's life, he says, he says, may the favor or the grace of the one who was at the burning bush go with you. In other words, Moses had had an experience that you can be a man who doesn't have the ability to speak, a man who stutters, a man who is is wanted in Egypt, but then you bump into the face, the grace of the one at the burning bush, and he releases a portion of his grace upon you in such a way that you return to the very place where you are wanted and you go to the very authority that you are hiding from and you stand before that authority and say, let my people go. Why? I've come with a new grace. It was the grace of God that enabled me to run away and not be killed when I should have been. But now I have bumped into fresh grace at the burning bush. So I have a new sufficiency to do something that I couldn't do before, which is stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Fresh grace. Fresh grace. A fresh grace. The key difference in the multifaceted grace of God is the results that it produces. Okay? Saving grace, I mean, there is saving, I didn't want to go into all of that, but there is saving grace. There is even common grace. Common grace is the grace every human being enjoys. The scripture talks about how he causes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. It is the grace of God. The grace of God, angels still protect those who are not even saved. Because God loves them. There is common grace. But then there is, there is saving grace. There is, there is grace to provide for you. There is grace to defend you. There is, there is, it, it, it is the same Jesus. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let, let me not jump ahead of my... Are you with me so far? Uh, in other words, I want you to... I, want you to, I, don't, want, I, don't, I don't want us to... I don't want us to be hiding like Moses and just grateful in the desert because it, you know it's the grace of God that meant that you didn't get killed when you should have been killed. And many of us spend our lives in the desert not realizing that God can manifest fresh grace on you to change something. So you are thankful, oh God, thank you so much for your grace. But every time you're thinking about the grace of God, you're thinking about how he just delivered you from Egypt and they didn't catch you when you should have been caught. Not realizing that there is fresh grace that he can release over you. To not just keep you in the desert safe and sound and give you a little business for yourself, but actually use you to deliver a whole nation. Fresh grace. The difference is the results that it produces. First John, sorry, John chapter 1 verse 16 in the Amplified talks about Jesus. He says, for out of his fullness, out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received, look at this, Grace upon grace, spiritual blessing of faith. What does he say? Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift upon gift. Jesus is the ultimate expression of the grace of God. 
Amen. He is the ultimate expression of the grace of God. And out of his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. In other words, whilst many religious folk only think of grace um, as, as the mercy of God in saving us, God's grace is much more than that. God's grace is, is in Christ so that you and I, out of his fullness, we can receive this kind of grace over that kind of grace. Depending on my need, I receive grace according to what I need. Favor upon favor. You know, the favor you need to get promoted at work is different to the favor you need to get into politics. The favor you need to start a business is different from the favor you need to raise a child. That is why you can see somebody who, who has the grace of God upon them to teach the word, but they don't have the grace of God upon them to build a business. Okay? You can see someone who has the grace of God upon them to pray, but they haven't really asked God for the grace of God upon them to treat their wives or their husbands well. I am preaching good. It's all, it's all the understanding, and, and that is a huge one because oftentimes what happens is that we, we, we stop at seeing the grace of God as God has, has allowed me to go to heaven. So, so, so you, that's all you think. But in your conversation with your children, they are wrong, you're right. Are you with me so far? And, and yet there is grace to help you understand that. Jesus, out of his fullness, out of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. What is it that you need to do? What level are you at today? There is grace upon grace. There is not just the grace to be saved. There is grace to break out of this level. There is grace to turn your relationship around. There is favor to get you that promotion. There is grace to release the healing power of God. The scripture says about Stephen, talking about Stephen, that he was a man who was full of grace and he performed miracles. Because there comes a point where God can release the grace. It's all his favor. It's all his unmerited favor that he releases, but for different results. So what I'm challenging us to do is to understand this and put pressure on the word. For whatever we're doing, expect grace to do it. Does that make sense? If you understand so far, say amen. There are, this is what I'm calling the many faces of bread. Look at Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is why we, we don't get intimidated. Okay? We don't get intimidated by life. Because if God calls me to do it, what he does is he will supply the grace. He said about Bezalel, he, he, told, he told Moses, go and find this man when they were building the tabernacle says, go and find this man called Bezalel, because upon him I have placed the grace to create something that you can't do. Okay? This is why the body is joined together. This is why we are a body. 
Because as, as anointed as I am, and I'm anointed, but as anointed, <laughs> I'm just telling myself. But look at this. I'm, I'm telling you too. But, 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 but look at this. As anointed as I am, I can't do it by myself. Because there are graces that I don't have. God hasn't, not because he doesn't want to give it to me, but because he wants you and me to work together. He wants the body to function. Does that make sense? So, 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 so uh, none of us are an island. Not, God didn't create us to, you know, the, 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 the toe can do something that I cannot do. The toe has a different favor from God to the eye. So the day that the, 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 the eye can see something, but the legs will move it there. Amen? We need, we need each other. I want to show you this. Numbers, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. Verse 24 says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen? Come on, somebody say, that's me. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be what? Gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Now, let me just give you a back. Someone just say amen to that. Amen. Look, look at this. Um, the, the, this was the priestly, this was called the priestly blessing. You will hear it um, oftentimes at the end of a message um, or of a service. We will give that benediction, or sometimes that's what it's called, a benediction. But it, is a, it, was, it was an instruction from God. God commanded that the priests, every time they met, every time the children of Israel gathered together, that, that the priests should release these words over them pronounce these blessings over them. He says, he says that the Lord bless you and keep you. Okay? Because, you know, words, the, the will of, the seed of the kingdom is in words. Okay? Or the word is the seed of the kingdom. Everything God wants to do is encapsulated in his word. So he says, release this over my people. I'm not going to teach that today. Verse 25 is where I'm going. Look at what he says in verse 25. God said to the priest, pronounce this over them. Pronounce this. He says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. He says, make, he says, every time they stand on, or every time they gather, before they go, that's the context, before they go back into the events of their life, as the representation of God before them. Make this declaration. Let the face of God shine upon you. Okay? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Because the face of God is the revelation of his personality to people. Okay? The face of God is a revelation, if you like, of his grace. To people, God doesn't reveal his grace or his personality to us just so that we can have head knowledge. He reveals his personality to bless us, to empower us. He reveals his personality to help us. He reveals his personality. One commentator said this, that just like fire, God's personality radiates as fire does. It consumes evil. It bestows light and warmth and he shines as the sun, promoting life. The sun is a perfect example of what the grace of God does. When the face of God is shining on the, when the sun is shining on the plant, the plant has everything it needs to grow in that particular season. 
when the sun is shining on the lady, on the man or the woman on the beach, is releasing the ability for them to get a tan. When the sun is shining, you know, when you dry your clothes out, very, very, very deep things I'm talking about today. You know, you, you dry your, you hang your clothes out to shine, uh, uh, to, to shine, to dry. And the sun comes out and the sun is shining. The same sun that is giving life to the plants and is tanning the woman or the man on the beach is drying up your clothes, is providing daylight, is showing many faces depending on the need. So, so God says to the priests, every time they are going out, Declare this over them. Let the face of God shine on them. May God reveal an aspect of his personality to you depending on what you are facing. Depending on what you are doing. There is grace for every aspect of your life. The details or the big stuff. His light shines in all of these places. When God's face shines on you, there will be manifestations of his favor in the events in your life. That's what I'm referring to, the faces of grace. The multifaceted face of the grace of God. Because depending on what you are dealing with in life, depending on what you are building, you get grace for it. You get grace for it. So, so you, we must never say, well, this, 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 the Lord has saved me. But in this area, I don't know what to do. All I'm trying to show you is, first of all, there is grace for that area. And just like the scripture says, as you received him, walk in him. Did you hear that? So as I re- how did I receive him? By faith. All I need to do now, I have the grace to pray. But I am, I am failing at managing my finances. So what I'm going to do is not just keep praying for grace. Lord, help me, Lord. I will now also pray, Lord, please release upon me. Let your face shine upon me in the area of my finances. Because you don't even need to pray about it. Your finances are your responsibility. And if he, he expects you to manage your finances, then he has supplied grace for your finances. But if we don't have faith for the grace he has supplied in your finances, you still live in the limitations of your flesh. Make his face shine upon you. I came to tell you this morning, I don't know what the events of your life are speaking of. I don't know what the events of your life are reminding you of, of, of your limitation. What events are reminding you, reminding you of your limitation? Let me tell you this morning, the face of God is shining upon you. There is the multifaceted ability of God. The same God who saved you is the same God who will deliver you. The same God who helped you is the same God who will fight your battles. Just because he was nice to you, that does not mean he cannot be horrible to the enemy and that demon that is terrifying you. He is the gracious God with many faces. He has many faces. Whatever it is that you need 
It is in him that you will find it. He is able to supply the sufficiency that you need. He has a face that can supply the grace that you need. So when Paul is saying to make all grace abound towards you, he's saying it doesn't matter what you're building. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're planting or whether you're watering or whether you're building, you're believing for a job or you're building a business or you're looking to raise a child or you're looking to fix your marriage or you're looking to get married. It doesn't matter what it is. God is able. Have you ever been, have you ever been, can we, real talk? Okay. Have you ever been in a place where, you know, you're going through something today and, and, and you get reminded of what God did yesterday and you say, well, God, that was, you know, you know, let's say you, you had a headache, a migraine, that God seriously healed last time. But this time you broke your legs. And the pain is terrible. And someone said, remember the God who healed your migraine? You say, yeah, that was migraine. Anybody ever done that? Come on, don't lie to me. You know, you know, you know yeah, I can understand how he healed the migraine. But this is different. But you know the leg, it broke. You know how you start describing that? Like, like actually broke. You know, you know, you know, you know, it's one thing when you hear a testimony. Lord, I'm so grateful for how you preserved my family all these years. Okay? I'm grateful for that. But then you come to a particular situation where they're coming to take the house. And somebody's reminding you, you know, God preserved your family. You'd be like, yeah, he preserved, he preserved their family too. But, but nobody's taking their house. What is happening, we see the grace of God at work there. We recognize, we don't deny that. But we're facing a particular situation right now where you don't know whether there is grace for this. And so you're not extending your faith to believe that you can come out of this. But there is grace. Come on, put your hand up, say, there is grace. Come on, put your hand on your chest, say, there is grace. I'm, I'm trying to do whatever I can to really write this in you. So it doesn't matter what you face. There is, there is an amazing, the same favor will show up in a different way. When John is saying, out of his fullness, you have received grace upon grace. He's saying it doesn't matter what, what you are challenged with, what you are building. Jesus is so full of grace. You can receive grace for business. You can receive grace for victory. You can receive grace for preaching. You can receive grace for healing. You can receive grace for writing that book. You can receive grace for buying a house. You can receive grace for reaching the lost. You can receive grace for miracles. You can receive grace Grace for relationships. You can receive grace if these are areas he has called you into. He will manifest himself as what you need. Because he has the, 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 the face for every grace that you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you probably heard I was in two minds as well to do this. But, but, but I'll do it, you know. In the, you've probably heard this before, how Jesus is mentioned in every book of the scripture. And I was looking at that again and just seeing how he manifests himself in every book of the Bible in a different way depending on what they needed. Look at this. In Genesis, he, is, he, he manifests himself as the creator and the promised redeemer. In Exodus, he manifests himself as the Passover lamb. In, in Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he is the curse, the one who becomes a curse for us. 
In Joshua, he manifests his grace as the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, he manifests himself as the one who delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he manifests himself as our kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he is the prophet, the priest, the king, all in one. In 2 Samuel, he is the king of grace and love. In 1 Kings, he is a ruler greater than Solomon. In 2 Kings, he is the powerful prophet. In 1 Chronicles, the son of David that is coming to rule. In 2 Chronicles, he is the king who reigns eternally. In Ezra, he is the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, he is the one who restores what is broken. In Esther, he is the protector of his people. In Job, he is the mediator between God and man. In Psalms, he is our song in the morning and our song in the night. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In a Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the author and faithful love. In Isaiah, he is our suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he is our weeping Messiah. In Lamentations, he assumes God's wrath for us. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, he is the stranger in the fire with us. In Hosea, he is our faithful husband, even when we run away. In Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. In Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, he judges those who do evil. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In Nahum, he proclaims the future world peace that we cannot even begin to imagine. In Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he is the warrior who saves. In Haggai, he restores our worship. In Zechariah, he prophesies a Messiah pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In, my, in Matthew, he is the Messiah who is king. In Mark, he is the Messiah who is a servant. In Luke, he is the Messiah who is a deliverer. In John, he is the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In the book of Acts, he's the spirit who dwells within his people. In Romans, he's the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he's the power and the love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he's the down payment of what is to come. In Galatians, he is our very life. In Ephesians, he is the unity of the church. In Philippians, he is the joy of our lives. In Colossians, he holds the supreme position in all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he is our comfort in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he is our returning king. In 1 Timothy, he is the savior of the worst sinners. In 2 Timothy, he is the leader of leaders. In Titus, he is the foundation of truth. In Philemon, he is our mediator. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he matures our faith. In 1 Peter, he is our hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, he is the one who guards us from false teaching. In 1 John, he is the source of our fellowship. In 2 John, he is the God in flesh. 
flesh. In 3 John, he is the source of truth. In Jude, he protects us from stumbling. In Revelation, he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He is coming again. He makes all things new. Somebody give your king a better hand of praise. Give your Lord. Let me tell you, I promise you that there is nothing that you are facing that he doesn't have a face for. There is nothing you are dealing with that he has not encountered before. He says you will go through certain things, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. I am your face. I am the face that you need. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. He is all of these things. There are so many faces to this grace. Hallelujah. Isaiah, let's close in Isaiah. Isaiah 43. I'm going to leave you with a challenge. Hallelujah. Lift up your eyes. Look up to this king who is able. Lift up your eyes and look up to him. Look at Isaiah 43. Let's go back to our foundational scripture. Isaiah 43, verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, the God who brings forth the chariot and the horses, the army and the power. He says, They shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Whenever you are considering putting weight on the promise of God, always pay attention to the credentials of the promise giver. I'll say that again. Whenever you are going to put weight on the promise of God, always pay attention to the credentials of the promise giver. Because if you can see his credentials, if I told you I was going to give you a million pounds, the level, everyone say analogy. Okay. <laughs> The, the, the level of excitement that you will bring will be dependent on whether you believe my credentials can support my promise. So whenever you hear from God, whenever you're looking at a promise from God, please always investigate what is the credential of the one who's given me this promise. Look at verse 18. He says, do not remember the former things, nor the things of old. Look at what he's saying. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. I will do something new. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, the beasts of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostrich. Why? Because I give water to the water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Verse 21. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Anybody believe God is doing a new thing in your life? Come on, make a declaration. Say, God, you are doing a new thing in my life. And this morning I see it. 
Amen. Make up your mind. Make up your mind every morning you wake up. This is not an ordinary day. This is a brand new day that the Lord has made. There is fresh mercy. There is a fresh grace for something new today. I'm expecting a new thing. My expectation will not be cut off. I am that one who God is looking to do something new in his life. I believe God. He is declaring it before he does it. So I believe it before I see it because my God is declaring a new thing over me. A new thing. The old will not, will not remain. But look at what he says in, in verse 22. It starts to give us a charge. Say something that struck me this week. He says in verse 22, but you have not called on me. He says, you have not called on me, O Jacob. And you have not been weary of me, O Israel. He says, you have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings. Nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. He says, I've not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no sweet cane with money. Nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. Here is what I'm trying to say. Here is what the Lord said to me. Can I just be direct? Here is what the Lord is saying to you. Here is what the Lord is saying to us. Don't hear this as just teaching. Hear this as the word of the Lord to you. Okay? He says, I'm trying to do a new thing in your life, but you're not calling on me. I'm poised to do something new in your life, but you're not calling on me. Jacob, what's up? I thought that if you knew I was going to do something new in your, uh, you know, you, your phone will always be ringing my phone. You will be bothering me. You will be on my case. You will be, you will be calling me out. And he says, look at the next verse. Um, actually, give me verse, verse 20. I don't, I don't want to preach the whole thing. Verse, verse 24, actually, verse 23 says, you've not, you, you, you've not brought me sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me. In other words, some of you have not. He says, there is no sacrifice. Can I tell you? Now, sacrifice is not a curse word in the New Testament. Amen. Let me, let me explain this. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He gave you access to this God. He is the only reason why we can expect new from God. Without Jesus, amen, we have no hope. But do you know, that the, the evidence of your faith in Jesus is your willingness to yield to him. I'll say that again. That's what a sacrifice is. Okay? It's not yielding to get his attention. It's yielding because you have his attention. Amen? It's yielding. And, and, and he's saying to them, you've not brought me You've not brought me, I, I, I look at your life, it, let me put it this way, I'm married to my, by, by, to Vanessa, and we've been this year, how many years this year? 11 years, Jesus is Lord, I remember. Okay, 11 years, and, uh, and so, and so I, I am married by, by law, anywhere you check it out, this is my wife, okay? I don't need to do anything to be married to her, I is married, okay? It's just standard, 
Even the days I don't feel married, I am married. Does that make sense? But anyway, you know, we're coming to Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about some real stuff. <laughs> because, because some days you don't feel married. You know, some days she loves me, but she just, she's not feeling love for me. Because I've left the cap of the bottle open again. <laughs> I leave everything. I leave everything open. I just kind of, I just kind of have the margarine and just leave it there. And she's after. She feels like she's going out. Pray for my wife. She's a good woman. Okay. <laughs> but the point is, is even when I do that, we are married. But, but the that was, that, that yes, that was a bit loud. Eh? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so look. <laughs> oh dear. So look at this. Because we are married, you know, I, I, and, and I've talked about this before. How it is very possible for me to just settle. Oh, because we are married, then nothing needs to be done. I'm married. You know. No, but because I am married to her. The thing that is required now is a daily laying down of my life. I need us to revisit our idea of what, of what living sacrificial lives really mean. We live sacrificial lives, and that, this is what God is saying to them. He says, I'm looking to do something new in your life, but I don't, I just, I don't see, it's like, it's, like, it's like her saying, I don't see anything that you're doing. You know, it's not, I don't see anything that is making me feel like you love me. Does that make sense? There is nothing. There is nothing extra. There's no, that's what he says in the next verse. He says that in verse 24, he says, you brought me no sweet cane. In other words, what he's saying, you know, in, in the Old Testament, he told them when you're bringing sacrifice, sweet cane was something that they added to the sacrifice. They will add this thing to and bring all kinds of spices, including sweet cane, and they will add them and crush them and make this beautiful perfume that they would now use and spread all over the altar. And God is saying, I'm seeing that you're bringing stuff. You're bringing some sacrifice. First of all, he addresses those who are not, who, there is no level of sacrifice. You know, God deliver us from convenient Christianity. This is what I'm challenging us now on. Are you with me so far? I'm challenging you not to live just on a level of just kind of, let me see what happens. No, we, we are all in. Tell your neighbor, I'm all in. Uh, this is not about church. This is about Jesus. Are you with me so far? It's, it, it, it reflects in church, but primarily it is about Jesus. It is about for this person who gave you a promise and gave his life, how much do you believe that promise enough to call him up, to stand on his word? When was the last time you stood on his word? Can I challenge you? I'm going to challenge you anyway. When was the last time you did not quit on his word? Now I know life happens and sometimes we get tired. And so it's the reality of life. But there ought to come a point when you get up again. Okay? So, so, so he's, saying, he's saying, I see no sacrifice. I see, I see nothing in your life that really does show me that you believe. That I'm doing a new thing. He says, okay, for those of you who are bringing sacrifices, I don't even see, I don't see the sweet cane. I don't see that extra, you know, that extra thing that makes the perfume really an anointing. I don't see it. And he's asking, look, I'm doing something new, but, 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 but where is it? 
<laughs> where is your sacrifice? And that's what I'm asking you this morning. Where is your level of great? Where you're saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for all you have done for me. I, I read your word, I want to see it. Many of us read his word or stand on his word um, almost like, you know, let me see what happens. But we want to stand on his word. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. Does that make sense? I'm expecting the word whatever happens. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do anything that God doesn't supply grace for. I'm asking you to, to put an extra. I'm asking you to be present. I'm asking you to, in, in your worship, you know, it's a bit like what he was asking them, uh, saying, I, I don't see the sweet cane. Um, this is the way I can describe it. It's a bit like standing in worship where you're, you're singing, but you're not there. Does that make sense? That's what this looks like in practice. It's like you're reading the word because that's what you've always done. But you're not really there. You just, it's just a habit. It's what you do. Does that make sense? God is calling us to this level of, of um, he doesn't want you to die for him. Jesus already died for you. But he's wanting us to, to come to him like, like a lover comes to their love and just gives themselves completely to him that, that is not caught up with this or caught up with that. But it, there is a level of focus and intentionality because he is our way out. He's our only way out. Amen? I don't know what other, what other authentic... Oh, help me with words. I think it's time to finish. I don't know what other, Sometimes we live like we have other alternatives. Sometimes we live like we have a choice. Sometimes we live like, you know, if Jesus doesn't do it for me, my uncle would do it. Amen. Sometimes we live, and, and I think some of the privileges that we have in the West, which is just the blessing of God, is the thing that sometimes makes us lose the passion. And so I think that for, for, uh, we, have, we have, if we don't watch it, a lukewarm approach to our God, where your God is a hobby. It's just a nice thing that you do because you're a nice person. So there is a sacrifice, but there is no sweet cane in it. Because there is, you're just not there. I'm calling you all in. Jesus shows up to the church in Revelation. He says, you've done this right, you've done this right, but I have one thing against you. He says, you have forgotten your first love. There is a relationship there, but it's not what it used to be. There is no more investment. That's, what, that's the word I'm looking for. There is no real investment in this. I want you to invest in the word of God. Does everyone understand what I mean? I want us to invest in the word of God. And here, you know the beauty of what I'm saying? We don't need to do any of it in our own strength. Next week we'll look at this. Because the scripture says whatever we need, we can come to his throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help us. Okay? All we just need to, all I'm trying to provoke us to realize at, at this, in this part is to recognize that we need a deeper a stronger devotion. Everyone say devotion. devotion. A stronger devotion to the one who has promised you a new thing. Does that make sense? Once you make that decision that actually I, I don't want to stay on. Listen, I may, can I tell you the truth? I made a decision. I don't want to preach on this level. I, I, you know, there is more. I, I, I've seen the Lord, but there is more that I can see of him. And I want to give more of my body to him 
I want to give more of my mind to be renewed by his word so that I can, I can continue to be used by him to create the new. And that's what I'm inviting you for. Listen, new is available. But it's not going to be, it's not going to manifest on the same level you played last time. Amen? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, come up higher. There is also grace to do that. Spirit of God, I pray you take these words. I sense how urgently you are bringing this word and I pray you take these words and cause them to come alive in the hearts of your hearers. And out of our lives and out of our attitudes and out of our approaches to you will come a sweet-smelling sacrifice. I am praying that we will not just be Sunday Christians. We will be people who are Christians in the dark and in the light. People who love you when the worship is playing and when the worship isn't. People who are seeking after you not only on a Sunday or whenever, but we seek after you with all our hearts every single day. Come on, would you make a decision this morning? Make a decision for yourself. I don't know what that looks like to you. I'm trusting the Holy Ghost to, to explain. Trusting him to lead you in that. We give you praise. Say after me, Heavenly Father, be it unto me according to your word. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Let's come before God with our giving. Let's come before God with our giving. God is faithful. God is faithful. 